So I'm I'm on now. I'm live. I'm going strong. And uh, this is a weird, weird episode. Since I started doing the show, I have been asked a certain question. I don't want to say I've been asked the question a lot, but I have been asked this question before. And it's a question that I've thought about personally. Like I've, I've, I've put the question to myself. Uh, what if... XYZ were to happen. And I was never able to come up with a good answer. Uh, but people have brought it up over time, and it's become a source of uh, not controversy, but there is a controversial. This topic, were it to be addressed in the books, which it is being addressed this week, don't worry, would answer a lot of questions and put to rest a lot of presumptions people make about uh, not only the Berenstain Bears, but about the, the Mike Berenstain in general. Uh, Brad Mariska has joined, chimed in to say that he loves live episodes. I am glad there is one. There's one out there who loves the live episodes. Uh, so thank you, Brad, for joining me. And thank you for joining me with this very unusual topic. So what happened is... Uh, I picked up this week's book, and I thought it was just going to be another religious book, because that's kind of what I'm used to. Just uh, I'll look up some Bible quotes. I'll try to put them into some kind of context. I'll try to make it apply to the Berenstain Bears, and I'll go on from there. I get like two pages into this book, and I'm like, well, this is going to take some time. Because they finally did it. They finally asked the question that people have been wondering since I started the show. And here is the, here is the question. And I will... Provide the answer, because that's what this show does. Provides nothing but answers. And that question is, what would happen if the Berenstain Bears met an atheist? Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and this week I am doing a live broadcast right now, and I'm doing it from the Berenstain, like the Deep in Bear Country Facebook page, which means that like absolutely nobody is tuning in, except for Brad Mariska, who loves the Berenstain Bears. But I'm a little lost, I'm a little out there, I'm a little in the weeds, and I am covering a topic that is near and dear to my heart, because this week's book is The Berenstain Bears Keep the Faith. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Hebrews 11.1. Uh, this is a Mike Berenstain joint. This is Zondra Kid's book. It's a Living Lights book. It's a faith story. We can all join hands in Kumbaya around the whatever you want. Because this is a religious book, uh, obviously. It's the Berenstain Bears Keep the Faith and something wild happens in it. I told you up top. The Berenstain Bears meet uh, atheist. A bear say bears meet an atheist. Something that you don't expect to run into in a children's book. I don't know if I've ever encountered a children's book, a, a specifically a series children's book, that covers this topic. And you certainly wouldn't know that that's the topic it covers from, from the cover. Because the cover is just Preacher Brown hanging out with the Cubs, showing them Daniel in the lion's den. So you're like, okay, it's about it's about Daniel in the lion's den, which makes sense, keeping the faith. One thing we know about Daniel in the lion's den, he kept the faith, and then he wasn't eaten by lions, which is an amazing story when you're a kid. Like, that's one of those Bible stories that you, it's got animals in it, it's got people not dying because of those animals in it, it's a good Bible story. 
But is it really what this book is about? I don't think so. I think this book is about something a lot deeper and a lot more important, and that gives the lie to the lie that people tend to say about the Berenstain Bears, which is that they are weirdo religious books. These aren't weirdo religious books. Uh, not even the faith books. They are religious books, and if that's weirdo, to, I guess if that's weirdo to you, then that's weirdo to you. And I can't do anything about that. Uh, I can't do anything about your faith. I can't do anything about your beliefs, which is kind of what this book is about. It not can't do anything about, but it's about minding your own. We'll just get to it. The Berenstain Bears keep the faith. Do they? I mean, yes. Yes, they do. Like, they literally do. Like, that's the point of the book. Uh, but what is faith? We'll find out. So this book, it starts off talking all about the Cubs, uh, how awesome they are, how many friends they have. Uh, we talk about Cousin Fred. We talk about Lizzie Bruin. We even talk about later characters like uh, Millie Grizzly. Uh, Barry Bruno, not Barry. Okay, so th this is the religious line. So there's different characters than we typically run into. Millie Grizzly being one of them. Uh, but also Ferdy Factual. As we know, he's been back. He's been making his appearances for the last, you know, few episodes. And he's back, and he's back with aplomb in this book. Because, well, Ferdy is an interesting character in Bear Country. Because, well, he's smart. I mean, that's not what makes him interesting. All the bears are relatively smart. Uh, he's a bit of a hipster. He's got the hat. He's got the jacket and the turtleneck. I mean, he's a he is the most stylish bear in Bear Town. Uh, he works with his uncle at the Bearsonian Institute. His uncle, Professor Actual Factual Bear. Uh, and we know that Ferdy himself is a bit of a actually well factual bear. He's a bit of a he's a he's a pill. And can be a bit to handle at times. A bit to take care of. Uh, in your friend group, he's that guy in the friend group. Uh, he's pretty factual. He dresses like his uncle. He wears his hair like his uncle. He lives in Beartown. That's our Ferdy. And sometimes he has an on-again, off-again thing with, I think, Trudy. Uh, he's got glasses. It, he's an I can relate to him a little too much because of the fashion. Uh, but he's smart. And one thing he loves to do is spread his smartness around Beartown. Sometimes to the chagrin of the other bears, they tend to like him, though. He's not confrontational, and he is the only person who can really stand up to Tootall, which is strange. He's a nerd, but he's not like a Cousin Fred nerd. He's like a, I got this nerd. He's like, I'm going to use my intelligence and maybe my muscles to stand up for other, well, not, other, I was going to say other cubs, stand up for myself. But yeah, as you can see from the pictures, he has access to science. He has access to dinosaurs. He has access to telescopes. He has access to microscopes. Ferdy is the guy in bear country who's going to get you an A if you ask for his help or, you know, pay him enough. I don't know how Ferdy works in that regard. He's a slightly unethical bear, which I like. I really like in any case. And his uncle once made a robot that was alive and then he had to kill it. And that was a shame. Uh, but also awesome, because bear country is weird. Uh, but one thing that's weird in this particular story is that they're all hanging out one night, watching the moon through the telescope, and they're taking turns, and Ferdy's showing them things on the moon. And as boring as the moon actually is, and it is boring, it's just a big chunk of rock. Ferdy is smart enough to know that there are actually interesting things going on on the moon. And the cubs start asking him about that. Uh, he's like, look, you can see like there's mountains, there's craters all over the moon. And the cubs are like, that's crazy. I, I assume they've seen it before and they're minorly humoring Ferdy factual. But they're like, that's great. Thanks, Ferdy. Uh, look at the Halloween bat. There's Halloween bats flying all around in this scene as well. It makes a point. It says, a few bats flew overhead. 
but yeah, like, I'm, I'm, like there's, it's a, they're, they're like haunted mansion bats, like in bear, in bear country. Uh, so what happens is, Ferdy's talking about how awesome the moon is, and Sister's like, yeah, like the the, the sky is awesome, the, the the moon is beautiful. God certainly did a good job, and Ferdy, in true. Like post 2010, pre 2015, but like a little closer to like 2014 is a little late for this. Closer to like 2011, maybe. Uh, Ferdy pulls the atheist card. Uh, God says, Ferdy, why mention God? You know why she's like because they're religious bears, Ferdy. Like you, you are good friends with them. You know they go to church. You know they are this way. Uh, but Ferdy puts his hands on his hips, leans back, closes his eyes, and and bees an atheist. Bees an early two thousand atheist, just for a little, just for a little bit. The, the early two thousands were an interesting time for atheists. On one hand, they they were empowered to say, "I'm an atheist" in public, uh, and on TV and and such. On the other hand, the the atheist movement was quickly polluted, <laughs> like. Pretty quickly polluted, uh, and remains so to this day. Uh, there was this little window of time when atheists could be like, heck yeah, I'm a new atheist. And then, like, Richard Dawkins opened his mouth again, and people were like, oh no, oh no, this is not the leader we want. And then other leaders started uh, opening their mouths and uh, having their opinions, and these opinions had nothing to do with evolutionary biology or uh god a lot of them had to do with gender and who deserves to be allowed to open their mouths the new atheist movement came to a screeching halt and uh there was a lot of regrouping involved but the face that ferdy factual makes in this book when he says why mention god is the face that a lot of atheists at the time made and is a face that a lot of atheists today still make on youtube so sisters like you know god god who created everything god that god you know why i mentioned god to which ferdy says Oh, I don't believe God created the world. I don't believe in God at all. And brother's like, you don't believe in God? And he's like, no, I believe in science. I mean, in things that you can see and test and prove. It confuses brother and sister so much, these words coming out of Ferdy's mouth. Confuse brother and sister so much, they lose control of their faces. They lose control of their bodies. They are befuddled and their eyes cross. It is a nightmare of like an intellectual game for them. Like this exercise they cannot possibly fathom. Just the idea that a bear in bear town does not believe in their God, in their Christian God. Uh, I'm not trying to be like snooty or snotty or anything. Like, please understand that. I'm not trying to like make fun of either of these positions. I'm just saying that the drawing of the bear comes is comical at best they are they are lost to they are lost in the depths they have the the, the note that to them that is like saying i do not believe in the grass because this is a this is an idea a notion that has never occurred to them that god is something you have to believe in as opposed to something you observe and test and prove uh so they i guess abandon ferdy and run home so they're hanging out with their parents papa's like what's going on and sister's like look our heads are in the clouds we're up past the moon we're so up past the moon that i'm imagining the way brother and i kind of looked in the berenstain bears on the moon it's a nice callback to that again it's like our second callback to on the moon recently uh but also what's weird is you see brother like you see brother and sister floating in the sky above the moon you see a rocket ship and brother and sister are attached to the rocket ship by what looks to be like a jump rope or a string like they're pretty far from the rocket at this point it, 
in real, this would be a gravity situation. We've got like these are two cubs tied by a string to a rocket ship that would seem to be going full out. Like its its thruster is engaged, and they don't seem worried that these ropes that they're attached to are going to snap, or you know they'll, they'll lose their grip because they're just holding on to the the rocket ship with their fist. Sister, I guess what I'm saying is, sister doesn't know how to imagine very well. She doesn't know how to play space very well, sister. You need a lesson. Uh, brother spills the beans. He's like, we, we were looking at the moon with Ferdy. He got to talking about God. Ferdy says he doesn't believe in God. And here's the part of the book. Here's the part of the book that kind of blew me away because, and this is why I bring it up. And this is why I just was just like, I cannot believe this is actually happening. There is a narrative. Let's call it that. A narrative uh, that I've addressed on the show that gets brought up on Facebook and Twitter every so often. Every once in a while, somebody online will think they're very smart and write a thing about the Berenstain Bears, about how they suddenly realized, after all these years, that the Berenstain Bears, at some point, went religious. Uh, I was looking at books with my kids, and I was like, hey, the Berenstain Bears, I liked these when I was a kid. I picked it up, and there was a god on the cover, or whatever. I can't believe they did that. And I'm like, it is literally 2023. They have been this way for a, almost a quarter of a century, my friends. 20, the Zondervan thing has been going on for a while. And in fact, it came to an end, right? Like that's like the contract is done. Like they're moving on to greener pastures. But like for a solid 20 years, the Berenstain Bears were a religious, they had a religious arm. Uh, again, if you listen to the show, you know there's the religious books, and they are clearly labeled. They are a different branch of the publishing world. And then, then there are the regular non-religious books, where the bears just go about their day and never mention Jesus Christ. Uh, two distinct lines, the religious line, the non-religious line. Sometimes bookstores and libraries jumble them all up. It's not the fault of the Berenstain company. It's the fault of the whoever's distributing the books. It clearly says on the cover, it's a faith story. Living lights. Don't hide yours under a bushel, I think is the point. But in any case, so that goat gets put, tossed around. Someone will be like, ah, the bears, they talk about Jesus. And then somebody will always chime in and they'll be like, well, you know, the Berenstains are like these ultra right-wing conservative Christians, you know, like these evangelical so-and-sos, you know. Uh, I don't want them forcing their whatever you call it in the who's a fudge and the this, that, and the other thing in my kids' minds. And I, it's, so it's really weird. I mean, it talk, if you listen to an interview with Mike Berenstain, you know that he's just like a nice person who just wants people to be kind and help each other out. Like, that's the point of the Berenstain Bears. So, along comes this book. And in this book, a good friend of the Cubs, not their best friend, it's not Cousin Fred, it's not Lizzie Bruin, but it's Ferdy Factual. He's an acquaintance. They hang out with him. They get to talking about the moon. They get to talking about their God. And they say, hey, don't you love God? And he's like, no, I don't. I don't believe in God. I'm a scientist. I only believe in what I can see in touch. I'm doing a nerd voice. That's unfair. I only believe in what I can see in touch. I'm a scientist. I believe in the scientific principle. Now, here's where things could go either way. Now, if the Berenstain Bears books were the religious books that the, the cranks on Tumblr seem to think they are, the weirdos on Twitter seem to think they are, the people on Facebook seem to think the Berenstain Bears are, if that was the case, the Berenstain, the, the response in this book, the Cubs would go to Mama and be like, Freddie Factual just told us he was an atheist. And Mama would say something like, oh, that's terrible. Well, it's time to talk to him about God. Or it's time to talk to him about Jesus. Or, you know, these, you can't win them all. Like, you can't win everybody over. Or like, 
they would go and talk to him and be he'd, he'd, he'd come around to it. You know, now that you mention it, Jesus is just all right with me. You know what? I do believe in God. Beautiful flowers. That's proof, right? What else is proof of God? Angels. That's an inside joke with myself and like one other person. Former friend of the show, friend of the show, former guest of the show, Brad McIntyre, will understand that joke. He's probably not listening, unless he is. He will understand when I say proof of God is angels. It's... I don't know why I'm going on about it. Only he and I get it. Like it's a, it's a reference to something that happened to us in college. Uh, but it's that thing. So uh, these are books that are preaching to the choir. Uh, very clearly, the only people reading the religious books are religious people and me. But they, they're the only ones. Like you buy these books because you want your kids to have stronger faith. You want your kids to believe in God. You want your kids to read the Bible. You want your kids to say their prayers. Like that's why, that's who these books exist for. They can do whatever they want. They can, and, and and Mike is clearly like, we are going to tackle the atheist question. What happens? What do you do? What do you say when you're a Christian family and your kids make friends with one of them atheists? One of them no-godders. One of them, one of them keep away from me Jesuses. What do you do? What do you say? There's no Jews in bear country. There don't seem to be any Muslims or Buddhists. I got, this is our, this is our religion. I'm assuming that Jesus bear bear Jesus has shown himself multiple times in this version of the world because no one seems else seems to be questioning it. There's no other religions that we've seen. Uh, I mean, maybe no, no, they're all just, they're all just generic Christians. Uh, and so like, maybe this is on you. I don't know. In any case, uh, what do you do? What do you do? What do you say to your kids? Cause they're going to come and ask. Mama says something incredible. And she hedges a little bit, but again, it's a religious book. Mama says something incredible, and more importantly, she does something incredible. Something that I love. I'll uh, get rid of it here and show you what she says. She says, and it's beautiful and I love it. She says, well, some folks don't believe in God the way we do. And they said, well, why do we believe in God? She's like, well, the Bible teaches us about God and our faith, and we know God in our own hearts. We feel his love for us, and his love helps us love each other. Now, at this point, we see a bunch of Bible story pictures, but then Mama is like, well, let's go to the chapel in the woods. Let's go talk to Preacher Brown about it. Because uh, Papa's like, yeah, like these are things that strengthen our faith. And what strengthens their faith? Uh, love and love loving each other and helping each other. Keep that in mind. But let's go talk to Preacher Brown about it because faith is a confusing subject. What even is, what even is it? What does it mean to keep the faith? And so they're walking to the chapel in the woods and Papa's like, everything's beautiful and that gives us faith. And, and Brother's like, but what is faith? And Papa's like, eh, let's talk to the preacher about it. So the preacher's like, so what's up? And Brother's like, we don't know what faith is. And so the preacher is like, well, let me talk to you about Daniel and the lion's den. Here's where the Daniel comes in. And the brother's like, yeah, we know Daniel. He gets into trouble. He prays to God. And the king of the land throws him into a den full of lions. And they don't, they don't eat him. They don't eat him. And Preacher Brown says, Daniel trusted in God and so was not afraid. And he had faith that God would save him. And that's what faith in God is all about, trusting in his love. And so then we get our only other reference to Ferdy. Uh, brother and sister get lost in thought. They think about the moon. They think about the sun, the stars, Ferdy Factual, and Daniel in the lion's den. It's a lot to think about. But one thing was becoming clear. Their faith in God was important to them. And then they talk about like not being afraid because God's around. And that's it. But there's two moments in this book that make this book shocking and incredible to me. And warm my heart. Uh, Mama saying... Well, some folks don't believe in God the way we do. And even though I said that she hedges it a little bit, uh, she could have just left it at some folks don't believe in God. And then the kid, Cubs could have said, well, why do we believe in God? And she's like, because it makes us feel good because we feel his love for us and his love helps us love each other. And we have faith in him. Uh, 
so even though like some folks don't believe in God the way we do, it's not exactly what I would say. I would just say some folks don't believe in God. Just the fact that she says that, that's amazing to me. And the fact that Ferdy Factual does not warrant mention for the rest of the book. Now, you could be saying, well, then they're not dealing with it. To which I say, exactly. Mama's point is, this is a very personal thing. This is our faith. The Bible teaches us about God and our faith. And we know God in our own hearts. We feel his love for us and his love helps us love each other. She's she is saying to the Cubs, you don't need to worry about Ferdy. It's not good or bad. He's a friend of yours. His faith or lack thereof is his. That's his to own. Just like our faith is ours to own. Uh, and that's the beauty of it. We don't have to worry about him. And we're not worried about him because we're not evangelical bears. We're not concerned about Ferdy's immortal soul. We're concerned about good acts here on earth. We're concerned about teachings of Jesus. We're concerned about being good people. We're concerned about our community and helping each other out. We're concerned about finding God and finding God's love in the things that we love and the beauty of the world. Ferdy finds complete happiness looking at the stars, studying science, finding the concrete answers to life's mysteries in testable, observable ways. And that's cool because that's Ferdy. That's what he needs and loves. And it's not up to us, us meaning the bears, to change that or to question that or to worry about that. The Bible teaches us about God and our faith. Some folks don't believe in God the way we do. I guess it could be taken as that too. It could either be taken as the way they believe in God is not our way or the way we believe in God some people don't do that. Like it could be that some people don't believe in God the way we do. Not some people don't believe in God the way we do. See that there's a difference there. It's intonation. Uh, so what we're left with is a book for children that says, if someone doesn't have the same faith as you, forget, just let it go. Just let it go. It's none of your business. Uh, if Ferdy wants to talk about it, he will. But you don't have to worry about Ferdy because he's doing okay for himself. And the next part that I absolutely love is right here at the end. When one thing was becoming clearer, their faith in God was important for them. I love that. I love that Mike says that. The important thing is this is important to you. The point is that it's important to you. Not to Ferdy, not to anyone else, to you, Cubs. Like, and that's all you have to think about. Ferdy, in their imaginations, is adrift in the stars with a smile on his face, his arms thrown out, loving the universe, happy as can be. And the cubs are looking up at their imagined Ferdy factual with odd expressions on their faces. The world works in many different ways. Some people believe in God. Some people don't. Some people go to church. Some people don't. It doesn't ultimately matter as long as everyone is cool with each other. It doesn't ultimately matter as long as we're all bears in bear country, treating each other with respect and loving each other. That's kind of the point of these books. Uh, and I was just a, astounded and amazed and heartened that a book for ch a Christian book for children answers the question, what do we do when one of our friends ends up being an atheist? And it answers it very carefully or, you know, beautifully. It's let it leave it alone. It's not it doesn't affect you. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Do you love your friend? Are you guys all friends? You're not hurting each other? Have at it. Have at it. It's a good book. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Uh, now, see, I have the digital edition, so I had to scout around because you know that these books have questions at the end. 
and the digital editions don't. And I was very disappointed uh, the last time I didn't have access to the questions. So what I am going to do is I had to find the questions. I had to find the questions on a video someone posted from uh, on YouTube. And uh, I had to stop. Like They just sort of like breezed past them. So I had to freeze the frame and then do an image capture from YouTube. <laughs> as a JPEG so that I could see the questions from this book because there's no way I was going to not not address these questions. But before I get to them, I do want to talk really quickly about the concept of keeping the faith because, again, when I first started this book, I was like, I'm just going to talk about a bunch of Bible quotes. The concept of keeping the faith, uh, the, 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 the expression, keep the faith, is from the second letter to Timothy. Uh, Paul's second letter to Timothy, uh, uh, Paul being, you know, the Apostle Paul, who essentially created what we think of as the church, uh, the Christian church. And he his letters are actual letters, uh, like uh, a portion of them written by the actual Paul. And then it's typically agreed upon by biblical scholars that there is a, a chunk of them that are actually written by people who came after Paul, who are like Paul's like sort of mouthpieces because he went to prison. He died. He was executed. Uh, so he would send out these letters to different churches, to communities, because he's trying to help them. He's trying to help everyone be on the same page, Jesus-wise. Uh, also, he believes the world's coming to an end soon, that Jesus is returning. So he's just trying to get everyone calmed down on the same page, make sure everyone's souls are saved. But one of his friends was this young kid, this guy, this young guy named Timothy. And Timothy pops up throughout the letters of Paul. And the second letter to Timothy is... Some people think it's not an actual Paul letter. Some people are like, no, it's definitely a Paul letter. Uh, but it's typically believed that it's like the, his final message before he knows he's going to be put to death. And he writes to Timothy. And OK, full disclosure, uh, yours truly is uh, not a believer. I am not a believer. I am uh, I am an atheist. Uh, I love these books. Uh, I love reading the Bible. Uh, but I don't have any, I don't have a horse in this race. Uh, but the second letter to Timothy is one of my favorite, favorite books, uh, in the Bible. Why? Because the letters of Paul are actual, they're, they're letters. They're like, a, they're, they're not just like declarations or statements. Like they're, they're, they're very much letters at times, like personal, like you hear a voice coming through in this. And so he writes to Timothy and he's just like, I, I just want you to know that I pray for you every night. Uh, I remember your tears. I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Lois, and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. And I, I love that he he takes the time. He calls out his mom and his grandma. Like, Paul knows these people. And it just, it reads like a letter that someone wrote last week. Uh, he talks a lot about, you know, like you need, here's what you need to, to keep in mind. Like, in, at the end of my days, uh, here, just, you know, like, you were aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are... Phygelus and Hermogenes, may the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. I love that it's it's very just like, I'm just sort of running down the people that are important that I need you to keep in mind as, at the here at the end of my life. Um, but there's this part in Timothy, and don't worry, I'm getting to the keep the faith part. <laughs> There's this part in Timothy that just makes me tear up. Uh, it's 
it's near the very end. So first, he's like, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Because Timothy was like a little timid. Like he was, you sort of get these clues that he wasn't the most comfortable speaker. Uh, he may have had like some sort of anxiety issue because Paul talks about like him like shaking and him like crying at times. And Paul's always just like, just be brave, be brave, have the strike. And I can imagine this like young guy, you're going out into the, the wilderness, into these cities and these towns of people who just like don't trust you, who don't know you. And you're like, and one thing that's cool about Paul and that really applies to this this book is that Paul is like, you know, you're 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 proselytizing, you're you're an apostle, you are you're evangelizing. But he says repeatedly to Timothy, be patient, you know, be, do the work of the evangelist, fulfill your ministry, but you gotta be sober minded. Uh, you gotta, you gotta do the work. You're going to suffer, but also don't, you gotta be patient with people and you've gotta, you know, you gotta talk to the people who want to talk. Uh, so, you know, reprove, rebuke, exhort, but be patient. Uh, the time is coming and people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And I love that. I love that. He's just like, not everyone's going to listen to you. You don't, you're not going to convert anyone who doesn't want to be converted. So be patient, be kind, offer wisdom. But, you know, like I, we can't do anything else with that. And that's that thing you always hear from true evangelists who are like, oh, you, you can only evangelize to people who who let you in. You can't force someone to listen to you. That's not true to the Gospels. That's not true to the teachings. You're 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 supposed to talk to open ears, not to not to people who who don't want to hear it. And that's kind of what Mama is saying as well. Like without even saying it, she's like your job is not to convert anyone to a faith that they have no interest in. Your job is to love each other and love people and if you believe in God to feel God through that love. Like that's what Mama's saying. I mean, to Paul, it was a little more dire because he thought the world was coming to an end. So he was a little more just like, let's let's pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Uh, and then the later letters, the ones that came after he died, are like, ah, maybe the world's not coming to an end. We really ought to get this church in shape because, like, there wasn't a whole lot of, like, church management going on. There wasn't a lot of, like, foundational stuff being created when he thought that Jesus was coming back any minute because he didn't need that. The world was coming to an end. We're all going to go up. Don't need a church down here on earth. Then the later followers of Paul were like, uh, maybe we need, uh, maybe start looking into some long-term rentals. But here's the part of the, uh, there's two parts of Timothy. Just, uh, he says, he tells Timothy, fulfill your ministry. And then he says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. And I just love that image. I'm being poured out as an offering. He's a martyr. Yes. And I have thoughts about the martyrs, but he's being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure has come. And this is the part where he says the words, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And I really like that sentiment. I love that he says, I did my best. I love that he says, I have finished the race. I kept the faith. And when he said keep the faith, what he's referring to is, it's not it's not a judgment thing so much as it feels like he's saying, I stood by my beliefs in the face of everything. And I kept this faith in me. And that was the most, that's the most important thing. All the fighting I've done, all the suffering I've endured. The most important thing was that, was what happened in here, right? And then he says, yeah, I know I'm going to get a crown of righteousness because the Lord judges the righteous. And I think I've been pretty righteous. And then he says, you know, but not just me, like everyone who has, 
who's loved his appearing. That's just a cool thing to say. Uh, and this is the part of the letter, though, that kind of wrecks me because this is so human. He says, uh, he says, do your best to come to me soon. Like, that's a guy in prison who's like, you're my one of my best friends. I don't have a lot of time left. And I just love this sort of simple request for company. Uh, for for Demas, uh, Demas being another guy, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted and gone to Thessalonica. Uh, Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Luke alone is with me. I get Mark and bring him with you, for he's very useful to me for ministry. Uh, Tyke. Uh, Tychik, Chikas, I don't know how to say the name. I've sent to Ephesus, and this is the part. I love this part. He says, When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all my parchments. Uh, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Uh, beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. Uh, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted. And but may it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me, so that through me the message might be proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. And there's this human, this achingly human aspect to the letter. A guy in prison on the verge of the end of his life, just saying, I left a cloak with Cap with Carpus. Can you bring that to me? Uh, also, the, I, the, my books. And please uh, don't forget my parchment. Above all my parchment. Uh, and and don't don't let Alexander the coppersmith uh, get over on get one over on you or anything. He's not. Just don't worry about him. Like it's little. It's that. It's that end of your life. Just housekeeping that he's doing. And I just, I love that he wanted his cloak. I don't know. It just, it really touches me. Uh, even if this isn't an actual letter of Paul, someone wrote this letter. Uh, but you see, that's the keeping the faith. The, the Berenstain Bears keep the faith. And it all comes back to the lion's den. I, Mike Berenstain's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. And Paul is like, you know, don't worry about other people right now. Uh, preach the gospel. Spread the word. Try to save as many people as you can. And he literally thought this isn't like some like this isn't an abstract thought. Like, again, he thought Jesus was coming back any second. Uh, so that's uh, the Baron Saviors. Keep the faith. I like this book. I like this book a lot. Um, the, oh, I for totally forgot the questions. Questions, questions. Too many questions. You want a shard here? Who are some of brother and sister's close friends? We already covered that. What types of things do they like to do together? We already covered that. Do you have friends that you spend time with? No, I hang out online a lot. Does that count? What do you do together? Hang out online. Sometimes I invite them on my podcast about bears. Why do Mama and Papa think it's a good idea to go talk with Preacher Brown? Well, because the Cubs don't know what faith means. And they need that explained to them. Uh, because Mama's like, you don't need to worry about Freddy Factual. Let's talk about your own faith. Uh, not solidifying it, but just figuring out what that means. And where you can find it. And they do. They take a walk and they find it. And Preacher Brown is like, it's on here, kids. It's in your heart. Don't worry about it. Get out and do it. Go to a zoo. Go to the museum. Go to the zoo. Take a look at all the things on display. That's what you do in a museum. And talk about how they show us God's love. I'm probably not going to do that. That's up your, that's, that that's, floats your boat. Two places, museums and zoos. Zoos especially, scientific institutes. Uh, remember that the animals you see are just the tip of the iceberg of what zoos do. Conservation's a big thing. You gotta have the, unfortunately, you've gotta have animals to show people so that they can like, oh, we want to keep these animals. Like that's what kind of what zoos are for. Like they're not just to show people animals. It's like, we're trying to conserve life on earth and people tend to not care if they can't actually see an animal up close. Giraffes are big, y'all. 
Talk about faith with your family. It's an important one. How does your family show faith in God? Can you help others feel that faith and trust in him? How? Can you? And if not, I say forget about it. Can you help others feel that faith and trust in him? It's an important wording, I think. Not can you get people to believe in God, but can you help others feel that faith? and trusted him. And how do the bears do that? By being good people. They just demonstrate it. The people they love, they treat kindly. The people they don't care for, they ignore. They let it go. Unless that person's doing something to harm one of their friends, and then they take action. But they only take action insofar as keeping their friends safe and keeping their loved ones loved. They're not reactionaries. And they're not crazy evangelicals. They're the bear fam. Crack my fingers. I think I'm done. I think I'm done. So that is the Berenstain Bears. Keeping the faith. Keep the faith. Not keeping the faith. That's that Ed Norton movie with Ben Stiller and Jenna Elfman. What happened to Jenna Elfman? She marries Danny Elfman's nephew. That's weird. It's a weird family. The Elfmans. Danny Elfman, Jenna Elfman, married to Bodie Elfman. What happened to Bodie Elfman? Like, we thought his star would never stop rising. Bodie Elfman. And then Richard Elfman, like the, the sort of like the older... The older brother of Danny Elfman. The real creator of the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. That, that, that was his theater troupe in France. They, that was, they were a French avant-garde theater troupe. Music was only part of the thing. Uh, and then they came back to America and Richard Elfman got tired of it. So Danny took over and just made it more of a band. If you ever want to see the Mystic Knights, there's some footage out there, but a really cool search Mystic Knights gong show. They were on the gong show once. The Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo. And they're good. Their act was very weird. Watch the movie uh, Forbidden Zone. That's the closest you'll get to like being inside the head of Richard Elfman at the height of like the Mystic Knights. It's It's got some questionable content, so be prepared. But uh, it's it's unsettling and off-putting. And it's got Hervé Villachez in it singing a song. So that's awesome. And uh, the director of Freeway, because he was like a Richard Elfman acolyte. It's a weird... I don't know why I'm talking about the Elfmans. I don't remember. It's keeping the faith. The Berenstain Bears, keep the faith. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. If you're watching, uh, BerenstainBearCast.org. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at BStainBearCast. You can find me on Facebook at Deep in Bear Country, BerenstainBearCast. You can also listen to my other podcasts, Pizza Toast, a podcast I host with Christy Admiral. We are currently in the midst of the Hunger Games series, covering all the books. We're covering all the movies, and we'll be having a guest on who's smarter than us talking about the Hunger Games book sometime in the near future. So check us out on Pizza Toast, a YA podcast. And I also do It's Del Toro Time with my daughter, Willow. Uh, we covered the movies of Guillermo del Toro. We also cover the movies that influence Guillermo del Toro. And for some reason, I can't actually explain. We're covering all the short stories in David G. Hartwell's The Dark Descent collection of horror stories. I don't know why. It made sense once upon a time. Uh, so if you want to hear me talk about horror stories right now, because we're in the middle of that, uh, we just covered... Uh, Within the Walls of Tyre by Michael Bishop and we will have the Rats in the Walls by H.P. Lovecraft coming out next week so join me there Uh, but otherwise thank you so much for being a part of this bizarre almost eight year trip I've been taking down the sunny dirt road deep in bear country I just said deep in bear country so it's gonna make the end of this episode not be as dynamic but I'll see you all next time deep in bear country